to listen to RTI programs. You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two, which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three, out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four, what are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, 11199. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience01 at rti.org.tw. That's audience and the numbers 0 and 1 at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin. And in the studio with me today is Jim Song, who is the co-founder of Jim and Dad's. It's a beer brand, a beer brewery. And um, so Jim is from Taiwan, but then he was in the States for seven years studying marketing and, and worked, I guess, afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah after graduating, yeah. right. And then, but he's been back in Taiwan for almost, uh, well, actually almost 10 years, like, Going on 10. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. So, yeah. Um, well, let's meet Jim first. Hi, Jim. Hi, everybody. Jim here. Yes. Okay. So, um, we're just going to start off. Um, why beer? <laughs> why beer? That's a great question. Um, so, when I was um, when I was studying in the States, um, uh, I got introduced to craft beer. Um, back then. And craft beer wasn't that big of a thing back in the States when I was in college. Um, but it was slowly, uh, slowly getting traction. And I Can remember... Can I ask a question? Yes. What is craft beer, by the way? So basically the whole idea is that, you know, typically, traditionally, you would have um, beer companies that make uh, huge, vast amounts of beer. Um, but, you know, when you think about it, they tend to be, you know, pale yellow and light and you know, five percent alcohol, and it's cheap, and you just drink to with party and get drunk. You know, it really isn't um, that much about flavor and taste and things like that. Oh. So, um, uh, so a lot of people started to homebrew. So they started brewing at home, and they found out that taste is much better. So they start to open their own breweries, and basically that's the whole idea of craft beer. Yeah, oh. more better, more flavorful. Um, more fresh yeah beers that are um you know just uh giving customers uh more options and making beer more um more i don't know more craft (laughs) (laughs) i can't think of a good word for it (laughs) more craft okay i'm not quite a beer drinker myself so i i couldn't understand the lager beer and then dark beer and light beer and ales and stuff yeah yeah you know it's like a whole lot of things now i'm sure in order to get into this business with your dad, your dad really is a part of this business. That's why they called Jim and Dads. You have to study up on beer yourself, right? First of all, yes. you're a beer lover. You are yes, a beer yes. lover. I, you went I drink a lot of beer. Really? Yeah, I drink a lot of beer. How much in a, in a day? day? Well, I, I've, I've ta- I, I take days off. I, I have days where I don't drink. I could do about six pints maybe in a night. Yeah. Six pints. Six pints. Six oh. pints, uh, six pints. Like of beer. a six pack? 
No. More than a six pack. A pint's more than a can, so more than a six pack. A pint's around in a day. Oh wow! Oh, to me, that's a lot. Well, you know, so that's why I'm in the business, right? Yeah. No, but I don't. I, 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 you know, it's it. That's how much I can drink in total. I don't drink that much every, every, every day, right? So, uh huh. Yeah. What's your favorite? Oh, my favorite is always my own beer, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love my beers, all of them. Which is what kind? Um. So I make a. Uh, I make IPAs, which are very. Uh. Which is. Um, a hoppier beer tends to have a lot more flavor. Um, a lot of um, um, we add a lot of hops to it. The hops we add provide a lot of like citrusy. Um, oh, maybe um, I like that kind of um, tropical fruit kind of aromas and taste. Uh-huh. Tends to be a bit more bitter because it has oh. a lot more flavor. But um, that's what I don't like <laughs> the bitter part. But I, I think you would like it. I think you oh, would okay. like um, the the blend of the citrus. Yeah, and yeah. Bitter. Because you don't you don't drink that much in a sitting. And a beer like that could really—it's much more flavorful. It doesn't—it doesn't, you know, doesn't just make you bloated, you know, oh, like a typical lager. Beer. I see. Now, hop is a, a kind of grain, is it? Oh uh, no! So hop is a plant. It is a oh. plant that um, flowers, and you use the hop flowers um, to um, you add it to beer um, as kind of like a spice in a way. Uh huh. It's a okay. traditional, you know, it's one of the key ingredients to making beer. So we grow hop here in Taiwan. No, no, no. We don't grow hops in Taiwan. We don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because we're not fit for the yeah, kind of hops, climate. Uh, yeah, hops are typically grown in climate like um, you know Germany, Czech Republic. You know, even uh, Asia would probably be like Hokkaido. You know, oh, Xinjiang. No, more northern. Yeah, cold. Cold uh, northern, cold northern hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. places, yeah. Oh, okay. Wow, this is great. I'm learning so much about beer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, why do you like beer so much? I don't ever know. Since I, what, I got ever into, since how old were you? Well, uh, I was in the states. So the first beer I had, the alcoholic drink I had, was after I was twenty-one. Okay. No. Uh, well, <laughs> that's the idea of it. But um, so officially, I've been drinking beer since I was twenty-one. But you just um, liked it from the first time you had it. Well, I, I think it's just circumstances. I. I really was excited about craft beer when I was in the states back then. That's twenty. This is going to reveal my age here, but that's like tw- <laughs> that's tw- 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And um, I really enjoyed the movement. I enjoyed uh, the taste. Uh, and I enjoy the idea that you could brew it yourself. Okay. has a little bit of entrepreneurship uh, blended into it that you brew something yourself. And then if it's good enough, you start a company and you, you sell it. So, yeah, I think a big part of how and why I got into it is because of that. Could it also be because you want to be accepted by your friends? So that's why you took a beer. You know what I mean? You know what? I think that's a good con. That's a good result that came out of this, but it was not my intention when I got into it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to clarify that. <laughs> yeah, but I really do enjoy. Um, I I really d- did enjoy making beer, and I think I've always enjoyed cooking. And I mm. feel like cooking, um, brewing beer is very similar to cooking. Basically, mm. you're cooking, you know, a a malt. Uh, malted uh, barley uh, soup, um, you know, and then getting the sugar uh, extracted out of that soup and then uh, fermenting it. So it's like cooking. And you, oh, you extract the sugar part out of yeah. the... Okay. It's called mashing. So 
So beer itself does not have any sugar content. That's one of yes. So that's one of the biggest misconce- uh, misconceptions people have. A lot of people say, "Oh, you you, you get fat drinking beer. Uh, uh, if you drink other kinds of alcohols, you beer belly. You, that's why. Yeah, because there is <laughs> an association sweet. with with it. But um, typical most beers don't have uh, sugar in them because the sugar are uh, fermented into alcohol. That's how oh. alcohol is made. Uh, oh. Sugars are the yeast. Eat the sugar and produce alcohol. So most beers uh, uh, don't have uh, uh, sugar in it. You can't taste this. The, it doesn't taste sweet, right? No. Yeah, because most of the sugar is gone. The but yeast then, is eating it. Yeah. So most of the calories actually comes from um, the alcohol content. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And basically, a can of beer has the same um, kind of uh, same amount of calories maybe a shot of whiskey would have, mm. or a glass of wine. So it's not that much. Okay. Unless some people make sugary beer, or they add extra sugar into well, it. Well, I mean, so. you know, in Taiwan, there's all these flavored beer. Yeah, well, the I ones think... that they add extra sugar in it. So yeah. people should always, if they buy it, they should. When you buy beer or anything, you should look over the con- the ingredients and make mm. sure there's no sugar, extra sugar added. I mean, there's pineapple flavored beer, Taiwan beer. Yes. So yes. there's got to be sugar content in that, right? To well, make that flavor. Uh, um, no, not necessarily. Well, I, I don't. I can't speak for other breweries, but um, so it's very easy to add uh, fruit flavors if you just add, you know, uh, artificial flavoring. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy to introduce Sugar. any kind of any kind of a flavor you want into your beer. But uh, we don't do that. Um, so when I make a, a a fruit beer, we actually buy the fruit or the juice and we ferment it with the beer. So first of all, the sugar is fermented out. Cool. And, oh, okay. Um, but we still get the the flavor, the flavor of the fruit. But there's also another way to do it, which some people do. Well, uh-huh. You can add flavoring and uh, maybe add a little sugar to make it taste sweeter and, uh, you know, more fruity. Um, that's a way to do it. But yeah. yeah, we don't do it that way. Yeah, you know how it is. You know, I think more sweet flavored kind of drinks are more attractive to women, it seems, right? I think a lot. Like, of, I think a lot of women don't like sugary drinks nowadays because oh, oh. it really make you. It can really. Uh, it's not. It's really not. It's it's a. It's a lot of calories if you drink. Well, sugar. I guess like yeah. flavored. I mean, you wouldn't want like pineapple flavored beer, would you? Would you like? Well, I I actually we make a kumquat beer. We make oh. a we make a kumquat beer. We make a passion fruit beer. Eh? We make um all of these uh different kind of fruit beers. Oh, I'm gonna and, like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> And I make a, we make a, um, like a black tea beer. Um, oh, yeah, wow. black teas. Um, so these beers, they all taste a little of that sweetness, but it's not from sugar, okay. um, added sugar or anything. It's from the fruit, fruit or, itself. or it is uh, because the flavor is so natural. It reminds you of that the original fruit, and then your mind tells you it's slightly sweet. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. Did we kind of turn away from the original right, question? Right, I don't, I don't I, remember I, what the question was. <laughs> I said, "Why beer?" Right? Was right. It? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was just because it, beer brewing is easy to do um, at is? home um, to at start home. out. Okay. So um, I started brewing at home. You know, uh, I so bought, you were already brewing when you went to the states when you were still no, in the no, states, because no. I was able to buy all the beer I I wanted to drink back oh, okay. in the states. But when I moved back to Taiwan. Oh. I wanted to drink some IPAs or some more interesting flavorful beers, and I couldn't find them. Oh, wait, so, what's IPA? 
IPA is the ones we add a lot of hops to it, so it's more bitter, but it has a lot more citrus, uh, tropical fruit kind of flavor. Does it stand for? It, so it's it's got a big it's got a big story behind it. It's oh. it's India Pale Ale, and it's it's a big story because uh, the Brits used to, well, colonize India. Yes. And when they were um, when they shipped beer to India, they add a lot more hops into the beer, uh, because hops uh, prevents spoilage. Uh huh. So, but. Because all the extra hops, uh, the beer has a different taste, uh-huh. right? So that's the that's the whole idea. Wow, this is like yeah, you're learning a lot about this. I mean, some people just like to drink beer; they don't try to you know understand the history or understand how it's made or anything. Just like to drink it, you know. Yeah. But you, because you're now in this business, so you have to you make yourself learn about all these things. Well, I think in a way, um, you know, people drink. You know, there are many kinds of alcoholic beverages. People are very serious about wine. People, mm. everybody knows like all oh, different kinds of wine, different types of wine, different regions. Yeah. Um, same Not- with, you know, a lot of spirits. People uh-huh. know where this is from, why this one expensive, why this one isn't expensive. And I feel like beer has been, um, you know, beer has been ignored yeah. for the majority. That beer is like, oh, beer is just this pale yellow alcoholic beverage you just chug down when you want to get drunk, you know. Uh-huh. And I, 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 you know, I don't necessarily agree with that i really mm. find it fun and interesting i appreciate the styles and i think it's a i think if you really want to get into it you can really there's a lot of details to go into mm. and i it's yeah it's worth exploring yes yeah i can almost say that you know the little that you've just told me about beer it, it's fascinating you know I, i've never known so much uh, about beer itself yeah and beer is beer is itself. one of the more most traditional uh, alcoholic drinks and it's um it's been brewed the longest, uh-huh. um, and it's uh, it has the most varieties mm. because the alcohol content is so low. You can make all kinds of beers. Oh, because the higher the alcohol content, the less you can do to it because otherwise it will kind of like change the whole. In a way, because if it's like forty percent alcohol, forty percent of that is alcohol, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, 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 got it. <laughs> the beers, maybe you make a beer, maybe the beer is oh, like 7%. You got uh, 93% of stuff that you oh, can work with, right? I see. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. In a way, sense. that's a very easy way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, actually, after you graduated from college in, in, in the States, um, you worked a bit, right? But yeah. then you came back to Taiwan knowing that you want to go into beer business? No. Or no? Okay. No. So you came back and you worked some more at some different, I don't know, you, you studied marketing, so you worked yeah. at different companies. Yeah. When was the point and what happened when you wanted to go into beer business? And how did you talk your dad into working on this with you? Right. So when I started um, working in Taiwan, um, it was a good job. My supervisors were great, but um, I wanted to do something more. So You wanted um, to be an entrepreneur? Oh. Um, not necessarily, but I really wanted to do um, more things. At least, um, not not just going to going to a job and going home, right? Oh, you can't stay in a nine to five kind of job, kind of. Yeah, person. I'm not a big fan of that. Ah, um, just like my husband and my son. <laughs> <laughs> and I and I decided, you know, I'm going to pick up a hobby. Um, and I thought about it, and I was like, oh, you know, beer brewing. You know, I learned about a lot of that back in the states, and you know, I want to taste some of the beers. Uh, but I can't buy it here, so might as well just make it, you know? Uh, so yeah? I started making just beer at like home. That. Yeah. And then? And then I participated in competitions. 
Oh, wow. So there are such things as beer competitions, and we're talking about like homemade beer competitions. Well, you wonder how Jim fared at the competition, right? So you're going to have to join me next week to find out. I'm Shirley Lin for In the Spotlight. Classic shorts, poems, and stories from Chinese literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. The Lunar New Year is coming this week, and it is the biggest holiday of the year. A time when people journey home to their families, feast, rest, and get ready for a new year. It's been this way for centuries, and today... We hear some poems from poets past about their feelings this time of year. The first poem comes from a late Tang Dynasty poet, Cui Tu. This poem is called Thoughts on Chinese New Year's Eve. The road to Ba is a long, long way. Still, I'm making this fearful journey of 10,000 li. In the melting snow beneath the jagged mountains at night. A stranger in a strange land. Alone, gradually growing distant from family and friends becoming closer to my companions instead. How does one bear moving from place to place? What will the new year bring? And here's another translation of that famous New Year's Eve poem. Steep and winding are the trails of Samba. Strange and perilous it is to the body that has traveled ten thousand li. Amid the rumpled mountains covered by snow, during nightfall, an isolated and lonely man of a different hometown, gradually he becomes distant from his bone and flesh. Repeatedly, he is close with his attendants and servants. How can one endure to putting an end to his wandering and lodging? Tomorrow, the year shall be new. People often reflect and come in touch with how they really feel about their lives when they face a new year. This poem is by the famous Tang Dynasty poet Meng Ran. 
written about New Year's Day when he was in his 40s. It's called New Year's Day for the Farmer family. The old year passed with the handle of the Big Dipper turning toward the east yesterday. And today is a new start. Though I'm not an official, even in my 40s, I still worry about farming. Work as a farmer in the field of mulberry trees along with Buffalo Boy. People divine by Zodiac that it will be a bumper harvest this year. Day poem by Wang Anshi, who was a famous reformer and prime minister in the Northern Song Dynasty. He had just enacted some political reforms that he thought were very promising. This poem is called New Year's Day. The new year is coming amid the sound of firecracker. The spring breeze has wafted the warm breath with Tusu wine. While the rising sun shines, thousands of houses, new peachwood charms replace the old ones. The new peachwood charms that he refers to are images of door gods that they would hang up to ward off evil. That is one of just the many Chinese traditions that people have practiced throughout the centuries to deflect misfortune and bring in blessings for the new year. Hope you enjoyed those thoughts about the new year from famous Chinese poets centuries ago. Happy New Year of the Ox. I'm Natalie So. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. The Sound of the Puyuma Tribe on Radio Taiwan International. to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Taiwan's population shrank for the first time in history last year, thanks to its aging population and low birth rate. It's a real problem for Taiwan's future development, 
but authorities in Zhanghua County think they might have cracked it. Taiwan's birth rate hit an all-time low in 2020 with just seven newborns for every thousand people. But some places have more babies than others. Government statistics show that the rate is highest in Zhanghua County, with an average 9.53 births per thousand. That's followed by Taoyuan City, Penghu County, Liantian County and Xinzhu City. Kids are expensive, but Zhanghua on Taiwan's west coast is a fairly wealthy county, so the high birth rate might not come as a surprise. Local resident Mr. Wu, however, thinks there are other reasons. We're more frugal here, he says. As soon as we get married, we feel like we have to have children. Mr. Wu also thinks convenient transport, good schools and local job opportunities have all played their part. Miss Lee says she and her husband worked hard to save enough money to buy a house. She says it was a stressful experience since her first child was born around the same time. Zhanghua County government says their county's high birth rate is thanks to financial support from local authorities. Mothers get about 1,000 US dollars for every newborn, plus money from their local district. Add to that the good schools and convenient transport, and authorities say you've got a recipe for success. Stash Butler, RTI News. The Lunar New Year holiday is almost here. In the past, Taiwanese people look forward to getting out of the city and visiting popular spots on the island. But due to the COVID-19 pandemic, there will be certain restrictions that people must follow this time around. Places like the Taipei Zoo have long been popular spots to visit during the Lunar New Year holiday. However, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, certain restrictions will have to be observed by those planning to visit during this year's break. Everyone will have their temperature taken, and nobody with a temperature above 37.5 degrees will be allowed entry. Masks must be worn at all times, even outdoors if social distancing is not possible. And only 400 visitors will be allowed to see the pandas at any given time. Another popular New Year excursion spot, the Taipei Children's Amusement Park, is adopting COVID-19-related restrictions too. In past years, the park has welcomed up to 10,000 children and adults each day during the New Year holidays. This year, though, the management is limiting admission to just 4,000. Other famous tourist sites are following suit, only admitting half of their normal New Year crowds. They will also stagger entry times in an effort to prevent crowding. It's steps like these that would be necessary if Taiwan is to keep up its success in fighting COVID-19. Shirley Lin, RTI News. Every year, Taiwanese police departments across the country make promotional videos before the Lunar New Year holiday. But this year, some departments are going the extra mile to make sure their video stands out from all the rest. The camera pans as gun-wielding gangsters plot a bank robbery. Cut to a slow-mo shot of the outlaws approaching the bank. But this isn't Taiwan's hottest new blockbuster. It's this year's anti-theft video from police in Lugang. And that means, spoiler alert, these gangsters are actually cops. Officer Zheng Quan Yao explains how they did it. He says they used three mobile phones shooting 60 frames per second. Inspiration came from their favorite action movies. Meanwhile, police in Taichung rob a bank in costume as characters from the popular anime series One Piece. (laughs) 
their crack canine division saves the day. Another police department dresses to impress, while a guard makes a cameo. With such stiff competition for the best promotional video, it seems even police love playing cops and robbers. Stash Butler, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. Check out the Formosan black bears and what they've been doing at Taiwan's Yushan National Park. That's a mama bear with her two cubs. The little bear is curious what's inside the trap. The tunnel was set up to observe bears in the area, and these bears look healthy. This male bear was also curious about the area, sniffing it to figure out what's going on. In the past three months, the Tataka area of the Yusan National Park has taken footage of at least six different Formosan black bears. Park official Guo Chunfen says there have been many signs of bears going through trash cans, so they wanted to get to know the bears in the northwest area of the park. The bears have gotten into trash and also damaged accommodations in the area and overturned cabinets. Formosan black bears are an important part of Taiwan's habitat, and they've only showed up in the western area of Yushan National Park in the past five years. That's why park officials are keeping an eye on them. Natalie So, RTI News. When it comes to drama, most Taiwanese like to watch the latest hit on Korean TV. But recent footage of a hunt in the forest of Yilan shows that sometimes nature can be just as gripping. It's like something out of a David Attenborough documentary. Three yellow-throated martens leap in slow motion, chasing a muntjac through the Yilan forests. Local resident Gao Shoutang is gobsmacked. He says he lives in the mountains and he has never seen hunting captured on film like this. The incredible images capture the martens in tight pursuit of a terrified-looking Reeves muntjac, a kind of small deer. Forestry representative Chen Guanwei explains. He says they circle their prey before chasing it to exhaustion. Then they attack. The footage from Elan has proved a hit online. That has prompted the Forestry Bureau to urge visitors to drive slowly. They say that way, drivers can prevent collisions and catch a glimpse of local wildlife. Stash Butler, RTI News. And finally, we have a story about domestic pork prices. The prices have gone up by 15% before the Lunar New Year holiday compared to last year. That's the word from the Agriculture Council. On January 1st, Taiwan lifted the ban on U.S. pork imports containing ractopamine. The move has pushed domestic pork prices up by 15% ahead of the Lunar New Year. That's because the public is concerned that the leanings enhancing feed additive might pose a health hazard. As pork is a staple in Chinese cuisine, the Agriculture Council has raised its supply by over 100,000 more pigs than the previous year. 
to meet the rising demand, Council Minister Chen Jizhong said there are about 700,000 pigs on the market ahead of the festival. That's a lot more than before. Chen said the Agriculture Council will balance supply and demand, make sure prices are reasonable, and that pig farmers have a steady income. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. RTI is conducting a survey. Visit our website to fill out the questionnaire or simply send us your answers to the following four questions. Question number one, what platform do you use to listen to RTI programs? You can write more than one, but list the most frequent one first. Question number two, which RTI programs are your favorites? Write no more than three programs. Question number three, out of a total of five stars, how many stars would you give RTI's English broadcasts overall? And question number four, what are your suggestions for RTI's English programs? Everybody who enters will have a chance to win a prize. Send your answers to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan, 11199. Or send it via email. Our email address is audience01 at rti.org.tw. That's audience and the numbers 0 and 1 at rti.org.tw. Be sure to leave your name, gender, age, and nationality. Around 300 Taiwanese companies established in Mexico. Um, we have uh, quite a significant uh, bilateral trade. This year, a new addition in the financial sector. Mexico, uh, the Mexican government decided to uh, allocate government bonds in Taiwan for the first time ever. Hello and welcome to this week's Online brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Mexico is Taiwan's second largest trading partner in Latin America and Taiwan is 11th largest trading partner. Taiwan's export to Mexico in 2017 was around 4.2 billion US dollars, but in 2018 it amounted to 8.3 billion US dollars. Mexico representative in Taiwan, Mr. Martin Torres, said it is evident that Taiwanese are looking to Mexico for more investment. Currently, there are around 300 Taiwanese companies in Mexico and visas issued by the Mexico office in Taiwan are business-related, showing the interest of Taiwanese going to Mexico to engage in economic activities. To find out more, we are joined today by Mr. Martin Torres, the head of the Mexico office in Taiwan. Mr. Martin Torres, Mexico is Taiwan's second largest trading partner in Latin America and Taiwan is 11th largest trading partner. How vibrant is the economic relation now between Taiwan and Mexico? Uh, I believe it is very, very vibrant and, and increasing. Um, we had, uh, at the beginning of this year, a, a, a major uh, in addition uh, 
to the traditional uh, economic relation that we have. As, as uh, we, you probably know, we have more than or around 300 um, Taiwanese companies established in Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, quite a significant um, bilateral trade. Uh, of course, we have uh, a, a, um, a, a deficit, a very important deficit with you, but uh, still, it's a very vibrant um, economic relation. Uh, but we uh, had, as I said, this year, a new addition in the financial sector. Mexico, uh, the Mexican government decided to uh, allocate um, um, bonds, government bonds, in Taiwan for the first time ever. Uh, they allocated um, in two markets uh, besides Taiwan. And the um, insurance, life insurance companies in Taiwan have uh, almost uh, grabbed uh, already half of that. So we're talking about uh, $1.5 billion. It's, it's become a very, very attractive source of investment for, for Taiwanese companies. And, and this is only the third country coming to Taiwan. Uh, issuing uh, government bonds. Uh, first it was Qatar, then then it came Israel, and now it's us. Um, Luxembourg, I just remember the other countries mm-hmm. Luxembourg. Um, so this uh, adds to the already uh, dynamic um, relationship that we have uh, in, in economic affairs between Taiwan and Mexico. And why, why do you think the, the government of Mexico decided, uh, why do you think they have decided to allocate uh, this bond um, to invest in the markets in Taiwan? I, I believe they do recognize the, the high capacity uh, and the, um, the, you know, the level of, of uh, potential investment. The, the Taiwanese market has, and uh, and I think they've they've been right. The 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 um, the response has been very very positive and, and very quick. Um, so it it is to attest to the fact that uh, Mexico recognizes that there is a very important flow of capital that can be uh, you know uh, uh, attracted in 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 our case and, and actually the minister of uh, finance uh, mentioned when he presented the, the these bonds that this would this would give us the capacity to obtain about 35% of our needs of foreign currency during the year so it's mm-hmm. very very important and when uh the uh, USMCA, the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement that went in effect in July 2020, um, has there been an increase in the trade volume ever since then until now? Well, we don't, uh, quite honestly, we, we still don't have the figures of, of trade of 2020. Um, it is, uh, at any rate, uh, quite uh, uh, quickly to to see any any response, especially during this uh, very atypical year uh, of mm-hmm. of the pandemic. Um, so it, it w- I think it will it will take a little more time to sink and see how this is going to evolve. What I can tell you though is that um, there is an increasing interest and and is very very uh, evident um, in 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 the uh, Taiwanese investors uh, to looking to Mexico as a possibility. For uh, expansion, on the one hand, because as you probably know, we have, uh, like, like I said, three three hundred uh, Taiwanese companies already established in Mexico. So expansion of those that are already there, and as well as the uh, you know upcoming um, uh, establishment of new uh, companies uh, in in Mexico to produce there. Mm-hmm. So 
this I, I think will will be manifested in the in the short term in the upcoming future but it's too early to say whether the impact has already been uh, uh, expressed uh, because like I said it's too early to see the figures yeah it's only been about slightly more than six months six months yeah, only six months, yeah. uh, plus like I said mm -hmm. it's you know the, the the levels of visit you know it have totally stopped so so when you when you want to have uh, an increase of investment you need it, it it takes longer and it takes visits back and forth and those uh, will not happen until you know the uh, the pandemic uh, you know eases up and, and allows for people to travel again although that has not stopped um, from keeping the contact and a very close contact between, uh, you know, Mexican and, and Taiwanese entrepreneurs. We've had several actually online uh, fora already during the year. Mm. One uh, major import uh, from Mexico um, to Taiwan is crude oil. Could you elaborate on that? Well, this is a, a very atypical um, uh, case because... Uh, Crude oil was was uh, exported uh, from Mexico to Taiwan only last year. Actually, uh, traditionally, uh, the um, the levels of of deficit that we have are in the in the billions because uh, Taiwan. Taiwan uh, exports uh, a lot more uh, by far than than we export to 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 Taiwan. Um, you know, we've we've been having numbers in the neighborhood of seven billion plus for nineteen seventeen, uh, six billion plus for nineteen eighteen, and then nine nine billion plus in in nineteen nineteen, and um, and us the highest. Uh, level of experts that we had reached were in the neighborhood of 425 million only. Um, last year, however, we exported around 6.2 billion dollars, but but 93 percent of that uh, is because of the oil export. So if if you rest, if you take off the value of the oil export. To the total level of export, we are back at the usual level. Although we, you know, it's it's higher than the historical mm -hmm. record, which is around six four hundred and sixty-three million dollars. And in this case, for the year twenty nineteen, for the first time, we had more exports of uh, of uh, vehicles and auto parts. Um, so I do not know whether the um, oil, the crude. Uh, exports will continue or have continued last year or not but it was a very typical thing because it had not happened before and it was a, you know a, a, an important an important level 6.2 billion dollars in exports mm -hmm. but, but but again this is this is something that uh, goes beyond the traditional level of bilateral trade that we've had uh, with Taiwan you're listening to Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Today I'm speaking with Mr. Martin Torres, head of Mexico office in Taiwan. Vehicles and auto parts, but Taiwan's main exports uh, to Mexico include electronic parts. And you mentioned that uh, uh, Mexico's 
exports to Taiwan include motor cars that you mentioned earlier. So could you also talk about this, uh, Mr. Martin Torres? Uh, sure. Actually, the uh, the bulk, a little over a little bit over half of our of the Taiwan exports into into Mexico are electrical machinery and equipment and and out of those the vast majority are integrated circuit, uh, circuits and uh, you know if you add uh, the rest are, are um, monitors and projectors but these are the numbers of of 2019 again it has it has varied a little bit but um this I always link to the actual presence of the of the Taiwanese companies uh, based in Mexico because many of them, although not all, because there's a huge diversification, but many of them are also in the high tech industry. So many of those uh, many of those exports from here to Mexico are linked to the Taiwanese companies based mm-hmm. there. Um, but at the same time, it's interesting to notice that again, 2019 changed a little bit, but in the previous years, Mexico also uh, had uh, the highest exports uh, or value of, their, of its exports were linked also to electronic equipment and to electrical and, and mechanical. Uh, so that means that we're actually complementing each other. We used to uh, uh, export more phone sets mm-hmm. um, in the previous two years, uh, 17 and 18, and it has come down, whereas the the uh, manufacturers that have big pace upwards have been, as you mentioned, uh, auto, which is the most important manufacturing industry that we have in Mexico. We are a very important producer and exporter of, of vehicles and auto parts. So uh, it, this was the case for 2019. We, we, we went down a little bit with our traditional exports of, um, of um, electronic and, and mechanical and went up uh, a little bit higher in uh, in cars, so it's, it'll be interesting to see whether we keep this trend, uh, or we go back uh, to the uh, to the levels that we had uh, with the electrical and uh, electronic. Mm-hmm. And. Uh Surprisingly, the statistics show that visas issued by your office, about 40% of them are commercial visas. Um, Is it because of the trade relations or is it because of the pandemic? No, it is also because of of that uh, economic connection and integration that we have. Because... Interestingly enough, yes, yeah, you're right. About about 40, 35%, 40% of the visas that we issue are business-related. Not necessarily business visas, but, but it's people that are going to do something related to to economic affairs and, and to the linked to uh, companies uh, in, in Mexico. So you, you have either executives from your own companies that visit there, you have technicians that go install new equipment or, or people that are going to go do some training, uh, even audits and so on. So we, we expect that this will grow at the same pace that eventually will as we're expecting also, the, the uh, expansion of, of, of Taiwanese companies already in Mexico and the new ones uh, arriving into Mexico will expand it as well. Um, you, we, have, we have a keen interest of tourists as well, but, uh, but you know, the steady flow also has to do with that. In the case of, of last year, however, due to the pandemic, both uh, you know tourist visas and business-related visas went down very, very sharply um, because of obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, has the pandemic, in a way, 
in that case affected uh, the bilateral trade relations? Uh, we we don't think so. Again, we need to wait and see the n- the numbers uh, in of twenty twenty once they're available. Uh, but I think the levels of trade have. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it went if they went down a bit. But I, I don't think it, they w- they would be sharply down uh, at any rate. But definitely, it's a, it's, it's, it has affected the oh. tourism industry. Oh, the tourism industry has been uh, hit uh, terribly, as in in most uh, in most cases in the world, of course. Uh, mm-hmm. Even though Mexico has not uh, shut down its borders to to foreign visitors, um, the uh, the pandemic, of course, has had the, the psychological effect, and also. Um, Local governments have also taken decisions to shut down, uh, you know, hotels and, and restaurants and, and all the um, you know businesses related to the tourism industry because of because of sanitary reasons. And that was the first part of our interview with the head of Mexico office in Taiwan, Mr. Martin Torres. And that's it for this week's Underline, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw. Our 60-minute English program can be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6185 kHz. In South Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. You can also email us at rti at rti.org.tw.